Right, so um, I'm going to uh, share a, a prophetic word that I believe God gave me earlier this week. And then from that, I'm going to teach about how to hear God's voice for yourself. So I'm going to read the word first, and, uh, and then we'll get down to the actual sermon, which is about learning to hear the voice of God for yourself, okay? Because this is one thing that Christians, we all need to do, and we need to do it better. Um, so this is the, um, the, 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 the scripture which the prophecy was given from. It's Isaiah 13, verse 4, and it says, Listen. A tumult on the mountains, it sounds like a vast multitude. Listen, the uproar of kingdoms of the nations gathering together. Adonai is mustering an army for war. Firstly, my saints, my glorious ones, learn to listen. I'm not talking about your natural hearing, but hearing spiritually. Listen. Can you hear it? Can you hear the sound on the mountains? Can you hear the nations marching and conspiring against me? Surely they are marching and banging their drum of war. They want to dethrone me. They want me to be gone forever. They want to declare there is no God. But I sit in the heavens and I laugh at them. I laugh them to scorn. Foolish people, they see themselves as so great and they do not realize they are but dust. They are so blind that they do not even know that they live and move and have their being because I allow it. Foolish man, you are just like that old serpent you worship and follow. You think you're so great and wise and powerful, yet you are nothing more than a mere pawn to me. The nations think they finally have it. They believe they have it, and they've got me and my people this time. How many past empires have failed who came against me and my people? How many empires do I have to topple before man grasps with his mind that I alone am God? But this time I have an army, a Gideon army, a seemingly small remnant army that in the natural amounts to nothing, yet in the spiritual they are giants. Fear not, my remnant church, for the few that hold to me and my truth may seem small in the realm of the natural, Fear not, wave your banners and standards. Let the enemy see you standing and holding your ground. Let them laugh, taunt and mock you because of your seeming weakness. Your warfare, my saints, is not against flesh and blood, but with powers of darkness in heavenly places. Your weapons are not the ones that cut and destroy flesh. No, your weapons are not carnal, but they are spiritual for the tearing down of strongholds. As the nations assemble and advance, my remnant army will fall to their knees, for there alone is the weapon of choice, prayer humility and a contrite heart as the nations prepare for an easy victory i will suddenly come to the aid of gideon i will bend low the heavens and pour forth fire blood and hail and come to the aid of my people i will shake the nations i'll do signs in the heavens above and on the earth below i'll put arrogant man back in his place again then many shall see and turn from their wicked ways and join the army of gideon in that time the army of gideon will become the army of david It will be great in size and powerful, being led by mighty men and women of God. My people will learn that warfare is not won through carnal means. No, my people will learn war is only ever won on the battlefield of prayer. Every victory, every advance to take the enemy's flag is only ever won through prayer. My people, put aside your feeble notions, ideas, and politics. Learn the true might of prayer. Return to me in prayer. Become a member of my army. Enlist today. However, not everyone will want to do this, for many in that hour would rather trust in the wisdom of man and his programs than prayer. Those who choose not to bend the knee in those days ahead will fall on the battlefield, but those who bend the knee will be valiant on the battlefield. Adonai of hosts is mustering an army for war. Will you join the army of the Lord? Will you heed the call? Will you become my praying remnant and take your place with my angels? Will you join me on the battlefield to see my kingdom come? Amen. Um, so there's, there's a few things in there, and one of them is about going from Gideon to becoming an army of David. Well, 
we haven't uh, have some. Uh, where is he? Paul. He'll be preaching on that next week. So he he saw this up on the week, and he's like, "Hey, God's given me a, a sermon on that, going from Gideon to David." So he's going to preach in light of the prophecy as well. So that's good. So he'll be preaching here next week on this. And so today, I just want to come to the first paragraph, which says, "Firstly, my saints, my glorious ones, learn to listen." Hallelujah. You two, just come in. No, 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 no. Don't apologise. I, I see you guys around a lot, and every time I see you, I just see God's heart for you. He absolutely loves you guys. Yeah, every time, every time. I see you around fair and all sorts, and God's always got a heart for you, always got a love for you guys. So, Amen. No, I'm pretty sure it wasn't. <laughs> So today I want to talk about learning to hear God clearly, because the first part of that prophecy was uh, my people learn to hear, not, not with your natural ears, but with your spiritual ears. And so as Christians in these days, we need to learn uh, to hear God really clearly, and we need to learn to understand the signs of the times which are all around us as well, because quite often there are things going on right now that we don't necessarily have eyes to see. And I'm going to point out a few things later, and you might go, oh, right, never really thought of that. Um, so we're just going to look at some basic things. Now, first of all, we're going to try and keep this as scripturally based as possible. So there's lots of scriptures today. Um, so Proverbs chapter 4. Uh, where is it? Yeah, so Proverbs chapter 4 and verses uh, 20 to 22. You all know these. These are all famous scriptures, but it's good to, uh, to, to sort of re- refresh our minds. It says, My son, pay attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Hallelujah. So, the word of God, pay attention to it. Listen to it. This is not just what we would call in the Greek, the graphe, which is where the word graffiti comes from, which is the written word, but also the spoken word as well. Where's that in the Bible? Well, let's have a look, shall we? So, turn with me now to Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. So, Matthew 4, verse 4. When you hear these, you go, oh yeah, I know this one. Matthew 4, verse 4. Um, but when he answered, Jesus said, it has been written, man will not live on bread alone, but upon every word going out through the mouth of God. Now, we all know that scripture, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. But the word in the Greek language for word is not graphe, and it's not logos, it is rhema. Thank you, who said that? Gold star to Alison at the back, whoever shouted that out. Anyway, so it's rhema. What is rhema? It means the announced, the spoken, the revealed, the declared, the proclaimed word of God. Okay? All right, so let's carry on. Uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 5. <clears throat> And so the backstory here is, uh, this is when Jesus is calling his disciples, and uh, Peter and his brothers, Simon Peter and his brothers, they've been out all night, they've been fishing, and they've caught absolutely nothing. And so next day, they come back into shore, and Jesus is teaching and preaching, and then he says this uh, to Simon. He says, um, 
uh, where is it, from verse 4. It says, as, and as he stopped speaking, this is Jesus, he said to Simon, you must now go out into the deep water and you must cast your nets at once for a catch. And Simon said, Master, while working through the whole night, we took nothing. But upon your word, your rhema word, I shall lower the nets. Okay, so remember, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Okay, and here Peter has cast down his nets at the rhema word of God. Incidentally, when he did that, he had plenty of food and loads of fish. Okay, so man shall not live by bread alone, but hey, by the word of God, which also produced loads of fish. Okay, so being obedient to the word of God takes us to a place of sustenance in him. Then the next one's Ephesians 6.17. And uh, we all know this famous passage. Basically, the, uh, it's talking about the armor of God. Whose armor is it? God's armor. It's not your armor. It's the armor of God. And you and I get to put it on. How cool is that? The armor of God. So Ephesians six seventeen. Hallelujah. Uh, where are we? Uh, and it says, And you must immediately take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema word of God. It's not the graphe, it's not the logos, it's the rhema. It's the announced spoken word of God. So declaring the truth of scripture, shouting it out, and decreeing the word of God is powerful. Amen? That's literally what it's saying. So the sword of the spirit isn't just your Bible, but it's when you take the Bible, put it in your mouth, and arm your mouth with the word of God, and you use that to speak out. A good example of someone declaring the word of God, especially prophetically, uh, to, to an enemy is little David. So not when he's king, but when it says he's a, he's a, a youth of ruddy looks. In other words, he's little rosy cheeks, a little bit of stubble coming through. And, uh, oh, bless. Okay. And so he goes out to fight Goliath. And whilst he's out there with this slingshot, and he's about to kill him, he basically shouts out, This day, you uncircumcised Philistine, you are going to fall. I'm going to chop your head off. And the Lord is going to come against all of the armies of the uncircumcised. And this day, you will know that the Lord our God lives. Hallelujah. Something along those lines. And he ran straight towards him. Ah, This little kid running straight towards Goliath, this nine-foot dude, and killed him, lopped off his head because of the word of God. That was an example of the sword of the Spirit. Amen. He He just knew. He just knew in his Noah that if he just said these words, God would back him up. Because it says in Jeremiah 1.12, God watches over his word, not yours, to perform it. But how did he know that God would do that? Because it also says, as, as, as it says in the early passage, David says to Saul, I have slain the, the bear. I have slain the lion just with my bare fist. Do you know anyone who's ever done that? Yeah? I mean, I don't know. I mean, imagine a, giving, getting a cow... And hitting it so hard that you knocked it out. All right? That, that's a British alternative, right? It's a bit unfair, but, you know, what, what did he do to you? Um, but anyway, I mean, like, and you've got a bear. Smack! And killing that bear. Hallelujah. That's, that's something. Because he knew. He knew who he was in Christ Jesus. He knew that the word of God was bubbling up inside him. And he knew when he saw something that was unjust and wrong and that God was on his side. Well, not his side, but he was on God's side. And he just declared the goodness of God and that the enemies of Israel would be defeated. So that's an example of the rhema word. Revelation 3.22, it says, um, Those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches, okay? So not everybody is going to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Only those that have got ears to hear. 
Now, he's not talking about your lugs. He's talking about your inner man and woman that is spiritually attuned and awake to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And we need to be aware spiritually is what is God saying to his church in this hour? You all with me so far? So firstly, we need to learn how to even hear the voice of God. So let's turn now to a famous passage of Scripture, which is in 1 Kings and uh, chapter 19. I'm going to give you a lot of Scriptures because I think going forward, I need to make sure everything, as much as I can, back it up with Scripture. Even that prophecy I shared, it's all scripture references that link up to pretty much every sentence that I said. So people can study it for themselves and know that it's actually from scripture itself. Okay, so uh, backstory here. Elijah is this great prophet of Israel. He's just had this amazing victory um, over Jezebel and her prophets. I think, I don't know how many got killed, but fire came down from heaven and took up this offering. And loads of uh, prophets of Baal were killed that day. And you would think that would have been a great day. But then Jezebel, who seeks to undermine, to usurp authority, and to put down and to destroy, she came to him and said, oh yeah, I'm going to get you for this. What you've done to my prophets, you're going to pay for this. And he ran off depressed and sad and lowly. And he basically must have been suffering from some kind of burnout and basically went and hid under a tree and lied there for a while. And he was so exhausted that birds and ravens had to give him food. Would you like to be fed by ravens? Bit Bit of a burger coming on a raven's or raven's foot. Mm. You read it in the Bible, you think, what a nice Bible story, until you put yourself in there. It's like, if someone gave you a bit of, bit of cheeseburger, and uh, a little bird come along, and it's got a bit of, bit of stone and a bit of grit in it, you know, and it's just dropped it on the floor next to you, would you eat it? No, no, no. I'm a vegan. So, okay. <laughs> so anyway, so from verse 9 to 13... And it says, and this is Elijah, he came to a cave there and stayed there. This is on Mount Carmel. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, can you hear that? The word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, who is the word of the Lord? Jesus. It's Jesus that came to him. Okay, so uh, where are we? And so he came to, he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and slain your prophets with a sword. And only I am left and they seek my life to take it away. How many of us have been in that, that moment? Only, it's only me, Jesus, that's standing up for you. Everybody else has failed you. I'm the only one left. There's a lot of laughter. I guess you all relate to this. And he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke the rock in pieces. I don't know what kind of wind that was, but I've never seen wind literally tear rock up. And, uh, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so that when Elijah heard that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave, and behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now there is a very, very fundamental scripture when it comes to learning to hear the voice of God. He's not in the big loud worship meetings. I mean, you can experience the presence of God. You can have a wonderful time with God in, in a, like we did this morning or this afternoon, in a time of worship. It's great. The presence of God was here. 
You can sometimes go to great big uh, revival meetings. I've been to a few and you see God do some spectacular and wonderful things. But sometimes you can come away feeling a little bit hollow from these meetings. Why? Because I, I didn't meet Jesus personally. Because you can't meet Jesus personally at a revival meeting. You think, yes, you can. What I'm talking about is coming to a place where you can actually hear the still, small voice. And to hear that voice, you have to be still and know that I am God. It means we have to dial it down, take the time to listen. Jesus says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear and know my voice. Amen? And, and, and yeah, no, no, I'm just trying to think, think something. I'm not waiting for a response. Um, but this is, this is something that, that we need to get good at. We need to get good at hearing the voice of God. We need to get good at being able to discern things. So, for example, if you hear a word from the, that someone claims is a word from the Lord, that it can go through your internal uh, processes within you through the Spirit and through you being attuned to the things of God, that you will know that maybe, yeah, 80% of that, that was definitely from God. Not sure about the other 20%, but you can discern it. And so therefore you kick out the bit that's rubbish and keep the bit that's good. Okay, because no one, everyone prophesies in part. No one gets it 100% right. And also we only see through a veil, not a veil, but we see through a glass dimly. No one has the full counsel of God apart from Jesus himself. But I believe that it's our privilege to get to a place where we can hear his voice more and more and more, where we go to being 40% right to maybe 70 to 80% right, yeah? No? No, you're all good with 40, 30? Well, we want to get to, to 80% right at least most of the time. So how to develop your inner ear to hear the voice of God. So here's seven quick things, and I'm going to look about how to hear God in various different ways. So the first one, as we learned from the Mount Carmel experience, is silence is quintessential to being here to hear God. Not necessary. It's not always necessary. But if you want to get to hear his voice and know his voice, you need to train yourself so that you know what his voice is like. So as soon as you hear it, even if it is in a loud place, you're like, oh, that's the voice of God. How do I know it's the voice of God? Because I've trained myself to hear that still, small voice so much of the time that I know when he's speaking to me. Amen? All right, so silence is important. God isn't in the tornado. It's the still, quiet voice. Next thing to do is come to God uh, with your request for guidance. So if you're seeking God in an area of, of guidance, just come before him. Be, have a bit of humility. Say, Lord, please, can you give me some counsel? Can you give me some advice on should I do this or should I stay or should I go? You know, give me, can you please give me some advice? Then ask God maybe for a scripture passage. Just as how God 90% 90, 90 of the time speaks through me. He gives me a scripture passage and then from that will flow his word to me. Because uh, I like everything to be founded on the word. So that's a good thing to do. Then meditate on that passage of scripture and allow God to start speaking through you. I've done a lot of talks on medication. On meditation, and uh, hopefully I haven't done any talks on medication. Uh, so, and then meditation, you can look on our YouTube channel on how to do Lectio Divina, stuff like that. Five, jot down any thoughts, impressions, or pictures, or songs which come to you. Because God actually speaks to people through songs. Anyone hear God with songs? Yeah, quite a few of you. Now, when you hear God speaking in songs, don't just go, oh, wow, Jesus is speaking to me in a song. Actually, take the time to think, okay, Lord, thank you. I hear, I hear you, you're trying to speak to me. What is it that you are saying to me in this song? 
So you're actually then meditating on the song that God has given you. you know, because, and some people might go, why can't God just tell me as it is? Why do we have to go through this rigmarole? You know, if I phone up a friend, they'll just tell me an answer. Why do I have to do this with God? Why do, because God is not a man in the sense that we are. He's not a man that should lie. He doesn't do things our way. He condescended himself, took on our humanity so that he could make us like him, that we become partakers of his divine nature. So he's come down so that we can learn to go up. That means we need to learn to listen. That means we need to learn to do things his way, not our way, because his ways are higher than our ways. And if you do things God's ways, it teaches you to really start going after God in a way that you wouldn't do if you just got an answer from God. Because God isn't your microwave Jesus. It's like you stick your little prayer request in the microwave and then one, le- one minute later, ding, it's done and you've got your answer. That's not how Jesus works. And he doesn't want to be treated like that either. Hallelujah, because he is a living being. Then take time to process what has been shown. Uh, another good scripture here is in 2 Corinthians 13:1, which says every word must be uh, confirmed by two or three witnesses. In other words, don't just go, well, I've just heard from God, I'm just going to run with it. You know, I feel God is telling me I've got to go to Africa. That's it, I'm downing everything and I'm off to Africa. And it's like, well, that actually may be true. God maybe have called you to Africa. But if you run it by some other people, some godly people that you trust, who can listen to God for you and, and they can get some confirmation. Maybe it's like, yeah, you can go to Africa, but not just yet or you know, whatever. It's important that we get that, 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 that witness. But I would say that meditating on Scripture is the clearest and the quickest and the best and the safest way of learning to hear God efficiently and effectively because no other nonsense gets in the way. When you're doing it with nothing to build from, you can be open to all kinds of weird thoughts. But when you start from the premise of God's Word, I find everything comes through is built on that Word and tends to be much clearer. The next thing to watch out for is don't be a vacuum tube or an echo chamber. What's an echo chamber? What's an echo chamber? What's an echo chamber? It's just where you hear what you want to hear. I just hear what I want to hear over and over and over again. So for me, when I move a lot in the prophetic, I don't listen to what a lot of other prophets are saying because I don't want to get caught in the echo chamber where we're all just saying the same thing because that's what that famous person said and I just want to go along with that. Are you with me? So what happens is, is that I hear God, and then I weigh it, and I test it, and then I hear what other people are saying, and then I realize that what I'm saying is in line with the majority of the voices out there. Therefore, that stands to reason that I'm hearing relatively correctly. The other one is don't be a vacuum tube. In other words, you're just in there all by yourself, hearing God for yourself, with no one can speak into you, no one has any say over you. What you think is empirical, empirical truth is empirical truth. Okay, That is the disease of a postmodern world, and we shouldn't be like that. Okay, So how does God speak in other ways? So we know in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 2, it says, in times past God spoke to us, in times past through his, God, through, through, through his holy prophets. But in these days, he's now spoken to us by his Son. Okay? In other words, whatever came before was good, but when Jesus came, he's now speaking to us directly because Jesus is God. So whatever he says is empirically superior to anything else that's been said. Not that what Jesus said counteracts anything else in the word of God, for all scripture is God breathed. But Jesus is the manifestation of the Father, and therefore what he says must matter and must count. And then when it comes to things like prophecy, it says in Revelation that Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Therefore, if you are a Christian and you believe in Christ, you should be able to prophesy. You should have the spirit of prophecy in you because that's what it says in the book of Revelations. Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. 
Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So God speaks to us through his word, 2 Timothy 3.16. Every time you pick up your Bible, God speaks to you. Amen? Well, at least he should do. If you read, open your Bible, read it, and put it down again, well, I have no idea what I just read there. You perhaps need to read it again, okay? Because you obviously didn't get anything. Because you're just, you know what it's like. We have this amazing capacity. I don't know if anyone else can do this, where you can read something and actually be paying no attention to it, but still reading to it, reading it, and thinking about what you're going to do next week. Whilst you think about what you're doing next week, your body's saying, "I'm hungry. I want some breakfast." I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? The multitasking. But the thing is, when it comes to the Word of God, you've got to give it your attention. The second way that God can speak to us is through prophecy. The third way that God can speak to us is through creation. Romans 1.20 says that all of creation reveals and testifies the, to the invisible attributes of God visibly. So the invisible God is being manifested visibly through his creation. Hallelujah. So God can speak to us through creation. For example, the stars in the sky, there are 12 houses of constellations. And those 12 houses, if you know this, actually represent the whole gospel story in the sky. And what's fascinating was that was written there in the sky when Adam and Eve were made. So God knew that Adam and Eve were going to fall, and he knew that the plan of salvation, it was already written in the heavens. And there it is, and it's always been there, hallelujah, from the beginning of time. But if you don't have eyes to see, you don't see it, and you won't know it, hallelujah. Fourth one, this is an important one, circumstance and things around you. God can speak to you through circumstance. I'm going to give you a couple of examples now, and this is really important if you want to move in the prophetic, and if you want to move in learning to hear God. So if you turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 1, Jeremiah chapter 1, I'm sorry that it's so hot today, so if you fall asleep, I'll forgive you. So Jeremiah chapter 1, now this is really important because when you read your Bible, especially when you're reading the prophet books, you've got to think, what is God teaching me about prophecy when I read the book of the prophets? And so listen to this, this is quite fascinating. So from verse 11 onwards, and uh, it says, moreover the word of the Lord came to me saying, who's that then? Jesus, right. So moreover the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a staff from an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am hastening my word to perform it. And the word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, what do you see? Now look at Jeremiah's response. He's, he's good at looking at things and he observes things. And I said, I see a boiling pot and it's facing toward the north. How many of us would, would, would have thought that? And it's facing towards the north. I just, I just see a boiling pot. What's the deal? Okay. And the Lord said to me, Evil will break, break forth out of the north upon all the inhabitants of the land, and on it goes. And so there's a prophecy. So what's my point? Sometimes you can look at something, and God will give you a prophetic word based on something that you're looking at. So, for example, I've been to, like, how to, do, how to learn to prophesy conferences, where on the table here they'll have, like, an orange a banana, a phone, and something else. And it's like, okay, there's your object. You've got to look at that object and get a prophetic word for someone. Okay. Now, I, I tell you, some of these, the words that you get, you're like, what can you get from an orange? I mean, what even rhymes with orange, let alone prophesy from an orange? Okay. But, you know, you could pick it up and just say, you know, I, I feel God is saying to one of, you know, brother so-and-so that, you know, you've segmented Jesus in your life. And, uh, he, he, you know, and all this sort of stuff. But anyway, I'm just, just, you know, throwing it out there. But, so that's a really bad example. Now, if you turn with me to 1 Samuel 15. 
First <laughs> Samuel 15 and 26 to 29. So First Samuel 15, 26 to 29. And Samuel said to Saul, so Saul's this, this king of Israel at this time, and Samuel's this prophet. He said, I shall not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned to go away, Saul laid hold on the wing of his prayer shawl, and it tore. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day, and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. In other words, Samuel was so trained to see things of God that when his, when his garment tore, he immediately knew that was a prophetic word. And he immediately knew how to, how to give a word from that, that, that thing. Now, let me give you an example of something that's going on right now all around you. And only some Christians are aware of this. Okay? Who likes a nice rainbow? I like a rainbow. Okay, I'm not talking about the TV program from the kids in the 70s. Right? I'm talking about a nice little rainbow in the sky. But I don't know if you've seen this, but there's lots of weird rainbows around there. You know? It's not, we're not doing single rainbows anymore. We're not even doing double rainbows anymore. We're now doing triple rainbows and quadruple rainbows. Have anyone seen them? Yeah, yeah right. That, you never used to see that one. In the 70s, standard rainbow. That's all you used to get, right? Well, I don't know what's going on, but now you get quadruple rain, rainbows, okay? And wherever you go, there's rainbows everywhere, isn't there? It's on, it's on little flags, it's on big banners, it's everywhere. Rainbow, 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 rainbow. And the Christians are like, oh, we want our rainbow back. Give us back our rainbow. You've taken it from us. You, you've stolen our rainbow. You, you don't want that rainbow back. Why? Because, let me explain. In the Babylonian Talmud, which was written in AD 400, which is a written down account of uh, Hebraic teaching that was passed on orally. Okay, listen to this. It said one of the signs of the days of Noah before the great flood was when men married men. And so the rainbow is, hello, as in the days of Noah. And it's everywhere, hallelujah. It's like, it's like the church, you need to see this. You need to wake up. You need to open your eyes. Rainbow, 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 rainbow. But then the the conservative amongst us will go, well, why can't he just tell me that? Why does he have to do it this way? Because that's just the way God is. Any Doctor Who fans here? Yeah, a couple of them, right? Back, uh, back in the early series when it first came back out, there was, uh, there was a series. And, and throughout the whole series, you kept seeing randomly graffitied these two words, bad wolf. Remember those episodes? All right. And it was a, it was a message from the future back in time to warn the doctor about something. And this is what God is doing now. He is giving us signs and wonders and messages. But half the time the church is like walking around like this. I, I, I see a rainbow, but I don't know what it means. I want my rainbow back. Give me back my rainbow. And God's like saying, no, the very sins that caused the flood in the first place to give you a rainbow is a covenant sign that I wouldn't do it again. And a warning to those that did it before. I am now showing you again and again and again. It is as in the days of Noah. Are you all waking up yet, church? Thank you. Hello, you can come again. <laughs> okay, turn with me now to Luke 21. Uh, Luke 21, verses 25 to 26, and it says, There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars 
and on the earth, anguish of heathens in bewilderment and the roar and tossing of the sea. Then people will stop breathing from fear and expectations of things that are coming in the inhabited world, for the powers of heavens will be shaken. Yeah, and so on it goes. In other words, God will reveal signs and wonders in the heavens. Okay, I don't know if you know this, but right now, all around the world is this mysterious phenomena of a sound of a shofar blowing in the sky. Has anyone heard it? Yeah, yeah. You should listen to it. It's really freaky. It's just, and it's literally coming from the sky. And everyone's freaking out, like, where is that coming from? And it just goes on for hours and hours, and it's incredibly loud. Some places it's not so loud. So you've got that going on, okay? The, trumpet, the trumpets in heaven are blowing. Wake up, church. Wakey, wakey. You're coming towards the end of days. And then, and then what else? And then all around the world, there's blood-red lakes and rivers and seas that appear overnight, and then two days later, they disappear. But of course, scientists will tell you, it's global warming, okay? And, the, and this is the thing that, def, that just defies unbelief, disbelief, is that the church poo-poo these signs. Although this is not from God. This means nothing. This is irrelevant. I mean, how much does God have to do to make the church awake? I mean, you know, he's not going to come down here right now and appear and go, hi, guys, uh, you're in the days of Noah and give you a big, big, big spiel. That's not going to happen, okay? It might, it's possible that it might happen, but it probably, probably not, will not because he doesn't need to. Because the onus on hearing the voice of God is not for him to how loud he shouts. He's doing the signs in the heavens. He's doing the signs on the earth. He is giving us signs wherever we go all of the time. But Christians are too busy with their lives. They're too busy doing this and doing that to even notice that God is speaking. Now, who is the one at fault here? The one speaking or the one listening? I said this before, but it reminds me of Joshua Bell, the world's finest violin player, down in the tube in New York, playing on the platform, one of the most hardest pieces of music ever written for violin, ever. If you want to see this guy, 750 bucks a ticket, right? The best of the best of the best. And in an hour that he played, one person stopped to listen to him, and it was a child. Okay, and this was in, I think, I can't remember which magazine it was in, but it was, the point of the magazine was, I think we're a little bit too busy to notice when something incredible is going on around us. And I think the church is a little bit too preoccupied and a little bit too busy to actually notice that God is screaming signs and wonders all around us and we're not paying attention and we're not listening. Hallelujah. Other ways that God speaks is through his body, the church. You know? Um, you know, God can often give us prophetic words for people. Or sometimes, you know, I've had, I've had instances where unbelievers have given me a word from God. Have you ever had that? Yeah? I, I remember I was working at this place once and something happened. It was all a bit random. And this guy just comes up to me. It was like some, I don't know, chief in the Navy or something. And he said to me, you know why this happened, don't you, Chris? I was like, why? Because God deemed it to be so. I was like, what? What? What did you say? I didn't say anything. He was like, but you did say something. And he just spoke to me directly from God. You know, so God can use unbelievers. He can use donkeys. Hallelujah. Do you remember that story? If he can speak through an ass, he can speak through anybody. Praise God. Um, so speak through his body, the church. Another way that he speaks to us is in visions and dreams. How many people have visions and dreams? Okay, yeah. Remember, you're not old enough for dreams. Yeah, um, you're getting there though. So <laughs> visions and dreams. 
Uh, I've already established that God speaks to us through music. Obviously, he speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. Uh, let's look at this verse here, John 14, 7. I'm going to bring it to an end in a minute. Uh, John 14, 17, sorry. John 14, 17. Yeah, maybe not. I've got the wrong verse reference there. But anyway, it says, it should say um, that the Holy Spirit leads us into truth and will reveal to us all things yet to come. So the Holy Spirit is what reveals us things that are yet to come as well. Um, obviously, God speaks to us through prayer, Romans 8, 26 to 27, and how the Holy Spirit groans and utters and intercedes for us as well. Uh, Proverbs eleven fourteen: a wise man has many counselors. Yeah, so if God is speaking to you and you're not sure about it, you need to get yourself some wise counselors. So often we think we are the only counsel that we require, but you shouldn't. This is one of the reasons why God gave men women. Hallelujah. It's like men come up with some really stupid ideas, and you need a woman to say, no, that's a really stupid idea, Al. Stop it. Okay. Um, there was a time, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. Host bit said, "You should tell them this story. It's going to make them laugh, right?" So there was this. There's this time. You know. You know when when um, everything got shut down during the time of lockdown, and the first thing they were allowed to open up again was garden centres. Yeah, because it was considered an essential service to humanity, but not the church. Oh no, the church isn't considered essential. So I come up with this great idea. Right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to B&Q. I'm going to chain myself to a, to, a, to, a, to a shelf and just start singing and praying and having a great time. And I'll get someone to film it and say that, you know, Christians have a right to do something, you know, on a Sunday as well, because we are also have a right to worship God and all that kind of stuff. And then I had two women that just said to me, no. Don't do that. That's a stupid idea. Don't do it. So instead, we went to Asda Car Park and we worshipped God there because that was considered an essential service. So we did it there instead. But uh, praise God for women. Hallelujah. Wise, wise women. Because men are dopey. Hallelujah. I remember that some church leader said to me, he said, Chris, what, what, why is it that mostly men in leadership? And then someone answers, because God chose the useless and shameful things of this world to shame the wise. Hallelujah. Amen. Give a clap for that, men. <laughs> it's good for your humility. Another thing, three more. Another thing that you can, you can learn to is discern is your gut instinct. You know, over the years as a, as a pastor, I've learned to trust my gut. When my gut says something, sometimes I can meet someone, instantly something inside me goes off. And over the years, I've ignored that to my own peril. And so now I learn to trust it. I get vibes about people as soon as I go near them. It's like, most of the time, most people are okay. But every now and then, I get this, and uh, that's normally they're dangerous people. The audible voice of God. Who's heard the audible voice of God? Okay, just a few. That's not that often, but it does happen. And then finally, the inner voice of God, which is really what today is about, teaching us to learn how to hear it. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, I pray as you are building your church and equipping your church for these days in which we're finding ourselves, the days leading up to the very end of the age, Lord God, we pray, Father, that you will give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to perceive, and help us and teach us and train us and encourage us to hear your voice more and more, more keenly and more clearly every day of our lives. For your glory we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank <laughs> you.